Amen. So, so here we are. Israel uh, has been uh, finally granted, uh, I'll say permission, but <laughs> you know, Pharaoh has, has finally given up, um, at least for now, uh, on uh, keeping Israel past uh, when they, he, they had asked to be released. So when you're, when you're considering what we're looking at here, they had gone through some pretty significant things. There were a lot of plagues. There's a lot of things that were happening. Um, and uh, we, we, we saw the, the catastrophic uh, damage that, that uh, Egypt experienced as a result of God's wrath being poured out upon them for the way that they were uh, treating Israel. They'd killed the, the children. Um, they, uh, they refused to let them go. They forced them into a very hard labor and so the Lord poured out his wrath on them and on their false gods. And uh, we saw it. We saw it go all the way from uh, if, uh, through all of them, you know, with frogs and lice and flies and, um, and uh, locusts and darkness. And, and uh, I, I, all of them are slipping my mind right now. But we saw several plagues happen. And then it, it built up to the death of the firstborn, that the firstborn of the animals and the firstborn of uh, all that uh, that were in the land of Egypt that were Egyptian uh, were included in uh, the tenth plague, and that took the lives of the firstborn children, uh, uh, firstborn uh, even even if they were uh, grown up, it was whoever was the firstborn, all died. There wasn't a house that didn't have somebody dead in it. Um, so when you when you consider that type of catastrophic uh, and, and the hail that came, um, and uh, and and then you you start thinking of everything that they went through. Their 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 whole land had been just destroyed, and uh, they lost uh, so many people. And now we're getting to the point where Israel uh, went to their neighbor, and they received payment from them. Is what it ultimately ended up being. You know, God said that they were going to be there for 400 years. We know that it was 430 years that they were there, uh, as it says. And, and so they were there for a long time. And uh, God said that when they left, they were going to be given favor uh, in the eyes of uh, those around them. And they plundered the Egyptians before they left. So that's where we left off. And we pick up in, in chapter 13 when it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So this is, um, when we consider consecration, it's an act by a person or thing dedicated to the service and worship of God. You, know, you can consider uh, as a, a personal, uh, somebody who would uh, fit that category would be a Levite. Uh, a Levite was totally set apart to God, to serving God. Uh, so that's what consecration means, to be set apart, uh, to consider something as though it belongs to God, and uh, separating uh, oneself uh, from things that are unclean, especially things that would compromise our relationship with a perfect God. So we, when we think of consecration, we can, we can also look at words like sanctification, holiness, you know, purity, uh, but that, that's being set apart specifically uh, for the Lord. And that's what God had demanded. And, and uh, there were, uh, there, we're going to look at three reasons uh, for the consecration process. One is that Israel was God's firstborn, Exodus 
4.22 says, Then you shall uh, say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my, my son, my firstborn. So uh, the consecration uh, process uh, was, God was even declaring it back in Exodus chapter 4, that, uh, that uh, his son uh, Israel, he, uh, Jacob, uh, had a special uh, relationship with him. The second uh, example we're going to look at, or, or reason we're going to look at, is the firstborn is always considered to be the best. Uh, the best always would be given to God, right? Now, uh, when when they would gather up whatever was uh, being harvested, the first fruits would go to God, right? So those first fruits, those things that would be considered the best, would go to God, and He would honor that sacrifice and and bless them. You know, you can see where the Scripture calls us that that when we obediently are, are following the Lord. God uh, blesses us for that, and that's uh, that's uh, another example uh, that we can we can look at here. Now, a third reason uh, to to look at the consecration process and and understand a little bit more of it it's it's it served as a reminder of God delivering Israel. You know, they they were set apart. Israel themselves were set apart for God. And that he delivered them. So there's there's a lot to consider when you when you because uh, we would have to go back and reread it all to really dive into every single thing here. But what we're seeing is as Israel's left and they've uh, plundered the Egyptians as they're moving forward, God is setting a standard here that that they're going to have to abide by. Uh, so they're they're getting uh, Moses is getting the instructions right now. Uh, and uh, the Lord will use Moses to speak to the rest of Israel uh, through the uh, through uh, uh, through Moses, uh, so that they can understand more of what God is calling them to do. So, uh, so God uh, spared the firstborn uh, children and animals of of Israel, right? So the firstborn of Egypt all died, but the firstborn of Israel were safe, the ones that that were marked with the blood, right? The blood of the lamb that was on the lintel and the doorposts, creating uh, what we know is an image of the cross, right? It spoke of the cross to come, that, that a spotless lamb, a, a lamb without blemish, blemish, would stand between judgment of God and, uh, and the individual. So uh, very much a picture of the cross as we got into depth last uh, last time we got into a great depth about so um, the firstborn of the children of Israel did not uh, did not die and uh, and of their livestock and those things so um, God is calling them to remember that and to celebrate that uh, that it wouldn't be something that they would forget it would be a constant reminder to Israel of the deliverance that God gave them uh, from Egypt and that God destroyed uh, Egypt's firstborn and and saved them. So uh, doing this would be a reminder uh, to Israel. So the, and and God is is saying uh, to them that that uh, having this reminder is going to be important for them moving forward. You know, and and it's a reminder for us that that when we have experienced God working in our life, we can't forget that. We can't just go, oh, great, God saved me. Now I can go back to doing what I want to do. Uh, there's, a, We're called to a different life so that as we're, we're, our old flesh you know, wants to come back and our sinful ways want to come back, we have to reel that back in and say, no, that person's gone. Those, those reminders that come up uh, to us <clears throat> so that we don't forget. Uh, 
So God is calling for uh, these children, the firstborn, to be set apart, is is what he's saying. Now, considering uh, the that they're being called to set these things apart, uh, look at well, you don't you can just look up at the screen, but Romans twelve verses one and two says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Live our lives as living sacrifices to God, that our lives are being constantly poured out as a sacrifice to God to remind us of what he's done for us it, that that we would understand that that uh you know God has uh, called us to be separate that we need to to be separate uh from this world and God was saying that that there was something different about the firstborn here that that firstborn was called to be set apart and so are we in our lives when we when we come to faith Verse 3 will mark the beginning of of us looking at what's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we've uh, we've discussed this before, and uh, and as we we dive into it here, some of this is probably going to sound familiar to us. Uh, We're in Exodus 13. Um, So uh, Exodus uh, chapter 13, verse 3 says, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, by the hand of the Lord, uh, by sorry, by uh, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. So uh, remember this day. That's the Moses starts with his address uh, in Exodus, saying to uh, the children of Israel as they're leaving, he's telling them that you cannot forget this day. Uh, th- this is something that you have to remember. God wanted Israel to remember the day of their deliverance. Uh, hopefully everybody here remembers the day that we came to faith. And we may not remember the exact date, um, but we remember the time that we came to uh, to faith. You know, Hopefully we remember the date. Uh, I know f- for me it was the day that Jen and I got married, and I've explained that several times. But I know, so 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 you know, our anniversary. I also remember as the day that I started taking my relationship with God seriously, um, because that's when God looked at me and said, "Are you are you going to take your relationship with me seriously now that you're leading a family? It's not just me being a bonehead at 19, 20 years old. I was I was supposed to be um, taking my relationship seriously with Him, but I just wasn't, and and God convicted me of that." Uh, the day we got married, as we were uh, driving up to what was uh, going, we were going to sign a lease for for an apartment for us over in Italy, and uh, that's when God spoke to my heart and and told me, "Hey, this is uh, this is it." So He wanted uh, me to remember that. He wants us to to uh, remember those things. Now, now we we celebrate big days here, July, you know, Fourth of July. Uh, we celebrate our independence, right from uh, from uh, from England. We uh, were, we were, uh, we, like I was alive, but you know, those that came before us were tired of the oppression. So they set sail and they landed here and, and, uh, and, you know, things happened and war broke out, the Revolutionary War and uh, July 4th, the 1776 signed the Declaration of Independence and, and we became our own nation. Uh, so that's a big day that, uh, you know, we, we, uh, it's funny how we celebrate it, right? 
uh, we, we're, we're a pretty shallow country. <laughs> you know, the way we celebrate, it's like burgers and dogs, bud. Yeah, bring some chips and, you know, we might go swimming and, and you know, we'll watch some fireworks tonight. You know, and it's just a, isn't it funny how, how we, we celebrate things here? You know, uh, we don't we don't get too deep and emotional about things. You know, when, when this is celebrating our our freedom as a, as a country, it's just kind of funny that that's that's what we do for Fourth of July. You know, we we pop up some explosives here and there, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's just a funny way to. But we do we do recognize it, and we mark them because they're significant, right? We have these days. We have other days in our calendar that are significant to us. You know, New Year's Day, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving. Those types of things are are uh, are days that we remember because they're important to us. And so, uh, as as Israel is is being told that they're they're uh, they should uh, remember this day uh, that they leave. There there's good reason for it. They had spent more than 400 years in bondage. And this is a day of their their deliverance. It should be a very, very big deal, you know. And uh, the, when it says when you went out of the house of bondage, it's talking about the house of bondage. You know, where you lived, you you were in bonds. Where you lived, right? Isn't that like we know that they lived in Egypt, but but where they lived, they didn't experience freedom. We don't know that here as a nation. We've, we were born, every one of us were born into, uh, that, that, that were born here or whatever, are born into freedom or that are here now. Experience that freedom. Like you can get up, you do whatever you want any day, and as long as it's within the law, right? I mean, you, can, you still do whatever you want. It's just you might pay some you know, consequences or whatever. But we have religious freedom. We have all these freedoms, right? Freedom of speech and, and um, of, of, of press and all these things that the freedoms that we have and that we very much enjoy. Uh, these people never experienced that. For over 400 years, they were oppressed. They were they were um, uh, treated bad, and uh, we see at times they were murdered. And there was a lot going on. And, and um, what we see coming up here is that that the day of remembrance will also remind them that they left in haste. That they were told to bring unleavened bread with them. They didn't have enough time to let the bread and the yeast and everything go through and everything. This was in in uh, this is unleavened bread. They had no time to let uh, bread rise. So uh, the Lord brought them out. It's it's very clear in there that the Lord by his mighty hand brought them out. It's by his strength. He's the one who did the delivering, right? It wasn't like they 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 you know put together this big plan and everybody's going to, you know, grab their pitchforks and hammers and they're going to go take on uh, all these chariots and, and, and these thousands of, of um, uh, soldiers, trained soldiers and everything. It was God that brought the, the victory to them, you know, as he's defeating Israel, uh, excuse me, Egypt uh, through the plagues and everything and bringing them right down to their knees uh, in submission. And, uh, and so they, uh, they experienced from the Lord a great victory and, um, it's a, a picture to us that, that we don't uh, come to the point where we experience our spiritual freedom because of what we do. I know uh, that uh, this, isn't, uh, this isn't foreign to us that are sitting here in this room uh, tonight. But we, when we can look back and really understand, no, really, it, the, that, that freedom that God gave us was not anything that we did. 
there, there, there was nothing there. What we do is we just came to a, the, the end of our rope and we were like, this is it. You know, I just can't take this anymore. And I want to give it to God and Lord, please deliver me from, deliver me from whatever was ruling our lives. Right. We came to that point of, of salvation. We're understanding that we were sinners and that we needed to be saved, right? And God was the only one that could do that saving. Verse 4, on this day you are going out in the month of Abib, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and uh, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. So in the month of uh, Abib, which would be uh, March, April time frame, uh, when you get to the promised land, you'll continue to remember this day is what Moses is telling them. Uh, now, it, it's important to look here at what he's saying here, the land that he swore to give them. Uh, you know, he gave them you know, over 400 years uh, before this. He, he told Jacob that uh, that this was going to happen. And even before that, God had told um uh, Abraham and Isaac, that he had a special plan for them and, and a special place for them. And what it does for us, the, this as we're looking and we're seeing these things start to come to fruition in their lives. Now, now Israel had the chance uh, to, to go into uh, Canaan. They had the opportunity to, but what we're going to get into in our study is they got overwhelmed by what they could see in their circumstances and they started groaning and complaining against God. And God says, and they're saying, there's no way God can do this. We're like grasshoppers in front of them. And, and they're questioning and they're, they're saying God cannot do it. The, the two that said, hey, uh, yes, God can, Caleb and Joshua, those ones were spared. And uh, those two were en ended up uh, being able to go into the promised land. But God made a promise and he, he, he kept the promise. We're going to see that take place. And it's going to take 40 years of them wandering around in circles in the wilderness so that those, those ones that were there that, that doubted, that generation dies. When that generation dies, then they can move forward. And they wandered. 40 years in circles is a long time. Uh, that's a, you know, that's, I'm 43. It would be almost my whole lifetime. Just walking around, just waiting for that coming promise. So uh, just understand when God makes a promise... He keeps his promise. There, there's nothing we need to do uh, to, to question that. There's, there's no reason, I should say, there's no reason for us to, to question that. that. That the Lord swore, it says uh, in, in verse 5, that the Lord swore uh, that he would give them this land. And uh, you know, we can trust God's word. We can, you know, this, this statement would be like we can bank on it, right? People will say, hey, it's, 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 it's something we can definitely uh, use as, as a foundation for our lives. We can build upon God's word. Uh, the, the Psalm 119 says that the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We can trust him to lead us wherever we're going. I like that it says a lamp to our feet and a light to our path because when I read that, when I when I consider it, it's, it's that there's dark around, right? And we need that lamp to lead us and guys, we can only see so far. Um, I, now, I appreciate lights, right? Uh, Jen and I had this this van once that, uh, man, the lights in that van were awful. You remember? And um, we would have it on high beams, and it was like a bad grade low beam. So, and I'd be riding to, I'd drive to Augusta in this minivan some days, 
and I'm driving down there, and I got what I as as bright as I could get it would be on my high beams. I couldn't see anything. There were, it was just like, oh man, I hope there's nothing in the road because I'm not going to see it in time, right? But God calls us to that close that close lamp. Like I'm the lamp to your feet. His word is a lamp to our feet, light to our path. It's what leads and guide us along the road. And as we're taking our steps, He's showing us where we need. Uh, to step where we need to walk. And we know that he's never going to put us where our foot would slip, right? So we can trust in him, that that his word is what we can trust to move forward in our lives. And, and that he He calls us to, to a day-to-day, step-by-step faith, uh, which is amazing. I, I love that God calls us to to that. He doesn't, yes, we are to make that lifelong commitment, but understand it's a day-to-day walk as we're, as we're walking out that uh, walk with the Lord. Verse uh, six says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day, on the seventh day, there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and no leaven, uh, no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, uh, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up out of Egypt. It shall be uh, it shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord uh, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Uh, you shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. So. Looking at this, the Lord is uh, declaring through uh, Moses that there was seven days that they would eat unleavened bread uh, and that uh, no leavened bread would be seen among them or, or uh, in their quarters at all. They, they, wouldn't, be ha- they wouldn't have anything uh, there to, uh, that, that had leaven in it. Now, remember, uh, this leaven was reminding them uh, that, that they left in haste and there was no time to waste. They had to... Uh, they couldn't delay. There was no messing around with the bonds uh, that they were they were leaving. Right uh, now, that's probably speaking to our our hearts also. Right, there's no time to waste. Like, what are we waiting for when God calls us out of uh, you know calls us in deliverance out of bondage? What is there to wait for? What's there to hesitate for? When we know we have the freedom and the true life in Christ. Why would we hesitate, right? What what is there uh, that this world has to offer us? There's there's nothing there. So this is a celebration of of uh, of their freedom. And uh, as we're considering their freedom, uh, there's the bread that's unleavened also. And we know uh, that that leaven represents uh, sin in the scripture. So we can also look at this as a celebration of the sinless one dying for us. And uh, it's uh, in that we would look at this type of uh, a situation and understand what God has done for us. And we do this to remember, uh, remember the Lord and to, and to thank him. It would bring uh, remembrance to them. So they were they were supposed to do these things to remember. Right. They were supposed to consecrate, create the firstborn. They were supposed to partake in this feast of unleavened bread to remind them of how God worked and delivered them that they didn't have to do anything, but God in his strength delivered them, that it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't their own strength. Now, now look at verse 8, and it says, And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up 
from Egypt. Now, uh, the King James Version, if you have one of those, it will say you shall show your son. Right. The, the implication here is that 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 the, as this is being passed down to the next generation, we should be talking to them and showing them what this stuff means, that that this this heritage would be passed down so that they wouldn't forget what God did for them. Now, there were all kinds of things that were set in place, but we know if you've read ahead, we know that Israel did forget. Right. How? How quick are we in our in our sinful minds to forget what God has done for us, right? The newness wears off and that, oh, I'm never going to, and I'm always going to, and you're right. And, and, but then we, we get into life and we get wrapped up in things and our focus gets uh, diverted. And, and what ends up happening? What we said we'd never do starts happening again. You know, what we said we were going to do has faded off, right? We have to have that discipline in our lives. They had to have this discipline to uh, carry this out every year. This was a responsibility to them that, that God had had uh, given them. So they had to do it. And so not just to tell them, but like I said, to show them this is what was happening and this is how God promised deliverance and and this is how he carried out, carried out the deliverance, that they would share that with them. And uh, it's this here can point us to, to the fact that we should be uh, sharing what we were delivered from and, and how God did it in our lives, you know, to our family, to our friends, the ones that, that the Lord has given us uh, an audience with. I know for me, as my kids have grown up and gotten older, start asking questions, right? <laughs> Natalie is, uh, is the, uh, the biggest question asker. Uh, Madison's more reserved and will, you know, kind of, um, she might ask the question. Ashley is a little more, Natalie will just come out and say it. You know, she just, she doesn't beat around the bush. She's always been our very literal child. And she'll, like, she'll be like, dad, have you ever drank before? Have you ever been drunk? And I have to, I have to say yes. In my old life, I made some dumb decisions and I did some stupid things. And what I found in that was an emptiness. I found, I found myself in a, in a spot where I knew in my conscience, in my heart, that it was wrong. And that, and I knew I stood guilty before God and that I needed deliverance uh, and, and that God gave me that deliverance. So I was, a, you know, I'm able to share her, hey, with her, yeah, you know what, I did some stupid stuff. I did, you know, and, and, I, and I'd share with her. And, um, yeah, you know, I, to be honest, you know, it's a little hard to admit <laughs> You know, it is. It's hard to, uh, for us to really look at our past and admit it, right? But when we can look at, at the more important thing is pointing to what God did to deliver us. You know, this thing had a grip on me, but it no longer does because of what God. That was the focus of this, right? The focus wasn't, hey, yeah, everything went really bad and we got out of there. We almost didn't, you know. I mean, just by the skin of our teeth, you know, we just barely survived. No, no. What, is, what does it say in here? It actually says uh, here, look at verse 9. It shall be a sign on your hand as a memorial between your eyes that the, law, the Lord's law may be uh, in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. God did it. God's mighty deliverance saved me from that. So so it's, it's something here that... Um, you know, it's it's not something. I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There are things that we probably don't need to publicize, right? We don't need to. We can just say, hey, you know what? I made a lot of bad decisions. 
But I think there's sometimes when we can get raw and honest with people that they, they understand who we really are. Uh, you'll you'll know whether you know what's appropriate and what's not. Sometimes things are not appropriate to share, and and we need to have discernment on whether you know what to share. Sometimes we don't need to get into the 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 deep details of things, but we just can summarize things sometimes because sometimes what we're sharing might spin somebody else off. We have to use discernment when we're sharing it. But the important thing is that is that we're sharing and we're saying. I was in bondage to this, and God saved me from it and set me free. And that God was saying through Moses that this needed to happen for them so that they could tell their children and, and, and share with them what was, what was happening here. That we would be a witness to those around us or children that we're talking to or whatever it may be, that they're seeing us practice our faith, that we're not perfect. Have you ever had people that get shocked if they, they've seen something and you go, whoa, you know, whoa, I didn't know you could get angry. You know, you, you, you I got, goes to church. I'm like, yes, unfortunately, I can get angry, right? You know, and, and oh, you know, just, I didn't know, you know, you might, uh, what's going on? I don't know what to do here. I've never seen you like this. I'm sorry, I'm human, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those things, right? Uh, and, and to be able to say, yeah, you know what, not perfect. Just, you know, God's changed me and he's working on me. And uh, being able to share that uh, openly with somebody is a blessing. Because if we're presenting ourselves as perfect beings and, and everything, are we going to be approachable? Probably not, right? Most people are going to be like, no, I can't even relate to that person. Now, do we change and, 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 and start compromising our walk so that we can feel like we can relate to people? No. Uh, but we shouldn't be afraid to authentically share who we are with people and just say, hey, not perfect, but I'm walking with the Lord, work in progress, and he's building me and changing me. You know, that they would understand our relationship with God and why we love him. You know, and uh, especially to children, you know, uh, whether whether there are children, whether they're grandchildren, um, uh, whatever it is, just understand God, uh, you've heard the saying, and I'm sorry if it's kind of cliche or, or just a cute saying, but God doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't, you know, my, my children, uh, when, when Jen and I, uh, were first raising our kids and they were pretty young, we were telling them like, you, you need to have your own relationship with God. Even when they were little, 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 just saying, God, God knows you and God loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And, and, and we're explaining those biblical truths to them and, and sharing those things with them. And, uh, it, and when they see that, that we're uh, you know, walking out our faith, they'll understand, I, need, I have my own relationship with God. You know, and I'm blessed, you know, when, when I know, hey, I was reading this. And I, you know, I'll get a text sometimes, what does this mean? And I'm like, yes, you know, th those are awesome. You know, when I see my daughters texting me something like that, you know, or, or sharing something with me, they're like, hey, this happened today and I said this or I did this. It's just such a blessing to hear that they're sharing hope uh, in Christ with people. So they had a responsible to pass along the heritage of faith to the next generation is what they're being told. And so do we. We have that same uh, we, we have to pass along our faith also. Um, Isaiah 51, the, the, the verses are going to come up here, uh, verses 1 through 3 says, uh, Listen to me, this is God speaking, he says, Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole uh, of the pit from which you were dug. 
Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all uh, her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. Uh, he will and and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. You see, you see the difference uh, of things here when you're talking about uh, a, um, a you know, comfort her in her waste places. That comfort would come in a place of of uh, that that has been wiped out. Uh, he will make her wilderness like Eden, like a garden. You know, the wilderness, that's a tough place to be, right? You don't go into the, the woods and walk through and you got thorns and thistles and everything like, ah, you know, you, you got you got long sleeves on, right? So you're not getting ripped up. And, you know, for now, now we have to wear, you know, some boots or something and some pants so we don't get ticks and stuff and those things. But God is saying that that he wants them to remember what he does and 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 for them to remember where they came from. There's the reminder there. He's saying, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were healed. Look where you came from. That reminder where you came from and what he's going to do in our lives, what God does in our lives. You know, where did you come from and what is God going to do? That The hope that we have in him. So the joy of celebrating God's work in our life and, uh, you know, those uh, those things that uh, God did in our lives that came before and the things that came afterward. Be able to share those, right? Uh, and and be able to to tell our story. Like, hey, I was. Uh, this is where I came from, and this is where uh, God brought me up. Verse nine. Uh, looking at verse nine, it just it's it's listing here uh, the constant reminders. It says that this shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of out of Egypt. So uh, this is this is a metaphor, right? So uh, Israel got to a point where they would uh, they had these boxes, these phylacteries, and they would actually put a box in front of their head with a leather strap and they would have um, a parchment paper with scriptures on them. Right. So that so they they this was a, all a metaphor. Right. I mean, because you can't put a box in your mouth. Right. I mean, you can put it on your hand and your forehead, but you can't put it on your mouth. Right. Uh, so the, and but those phylacteries became a, a a stumbling stone for them of pride. And, and Jesus had to had to had to correct them like. You know, they were all excited about their leather strap around their head with a box of scripture on it. And Matthew 23, verse 5 says, But all their works they do to be seen by men, the religious leaders. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. You know, they would have all their uh, their their garments looking all, uh, all official and, and great. So they wanted everybody to look at them like they were something. But what God was wasn't telling them to walk around with a bigger box on their forehead or anything like that. It, it could, because if you look at, at at what's being said here, it says that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. The focus is the word of God. That it's the word that 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 they're supposed to be uh, looking at here. They needed the constant reminders, and so do so do we. This the emphasis here is the word of God being what would guide their lives and our lives. Right. So so, you know, they could invent some box and put it on their forehead 
But ultimately, God's telling them, you can't forget these things. It's important for you to remember these, that you'd say these things. And it would be like they're, you know, on your forehead and on your uh, on your hands and things that you would not forget. Right. Especially, I mean, you look in the mirror and you got a box with scripture on it. Right. You know, if you have, you know, scripture tattooed on your forehead and you look in and you're like, oh, hey, I can't forget that one. Right. You know, it, it, it's funny, but. The focus and the emphasis here is on the word of God being the guide in our lives. Verse 11 says, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to, your, to you and your fathers to give it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy, right? But uh, they they have an option here. You can you know to 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 redeem that donkey, you can just offer a lamb versus you know breaking the neck of a donkey, right? So they had they had an option there. Um, and all the firstborn of of man. Among your sons, you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him by strength of hand? The Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Uh, therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Because God's not calling them to, to human sacrifice there. They were, they were called to, to, to make offerings uh, to the Lord uh, for the firstborn of man. They weren't to be offered, ob obviously, as an offering. But verse 16 says, It shall be as a sign on your hand and on the frontlets of your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. So God established this as a law for all Israel to obey. Now, further detail regarding uh, the process of cons uh, consecration is, um, you know, these were to be uh, set apart to the Lord. And uh, it, it, that's what we're getting into. What is this firstborn being set apart, right? Because we looked at it in verse 1, and then we went off to um, a, a different topic, and now here we are looking at the firstborn again. So this is that further detail to be set apart. You know, donkeys weren't to be offered as an offering, but they had a choice of whether to uh, offer a lamb for it or break its neck. Um, I, I I don't understand all of you know what's in there, uh, but it's an interesting choice that I don't think a whole lot of people made. They're like, oh, you know, I just don't see somebody putting that in a WWF headlock and, you know, throwing that thing down and breaking its neck, you know, but the, uh, but ultimately it was, it was for them to give it as an offering that they're offering that to God. And if you're not willing uh, to redeem it with a lamb, well, you're not supposed to benefit from that. It's supposed, you're supposed to remember that God saved the firstborn of Israel and that included all of their livestock and, and all of the children uh, there. So it, it's a reminder and, and for God to God use this to remind them uh, that that they uh, need to uh, be mindful of what he did for them. And uh, I mean, what type of that? That's quite a reminder. And then there's in there the reminder here, just telling them 
that, again, you're supposed to explain this to the next generation. We just read that again, that we would share this and that there would be a, a very good description of why this is happening because God saved us and we're doing this in remembrance of what God did for me. Now, New Testament Christians, we're not doing this, right? I mean, we're, we're, uh, we don't do this. This happened, uh, this, this, this applies to uh, Israel in the Old Testament law. And they, they were required to do this because Israel were the ones that were delivered from that. So uh, when, when we look at this, I mean, don't, don't go home and like, you know, come here, dog, you know, or anything like that. You know, we're not, we're not to do that or anything. But in the, that day, they understood what that meant. So the important thing to realize is that God gets the credit. Because if you look um, at, the, at the, the end of this explanation uh, in verses 14 and 15, uh, even through 16, it gets very, uh, very uh, clear. You, you know, somebody, uh, if your son comes in time and asks you, and you're supposed to say, by strength of hand, the Lord did this, and and explain that to them, right? We've, we've talked about this and brought them out of bondage. Uh, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn of, of Egypt. So it's quite a discussion to have with, with somebody, but we don't know how old the kid was that, uh, or the kids would be that would be asking this question. But there was this, uh, this uh, preparation for when it happens. When the question comes, tell them. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell a kid, like, okay, so do we tell them about the, you know, everybody died? And, you know, there's like carcasses and, you know, all these. Do we, yes, God made it clear in this circumstance they were to share that. And, and, and to explain what had happened even goes into the stubbornness of, of Pharaoh. And there's a lesson about stubbornness there as, as this is being shared. Um, so, you know, that it, as it's being described here, it's as though somebody is, is actually sharing this um, and saying, I, and putting yourself in that. It's, it, Moses is telling, this is how you share those things. But the important thing to remember is that God would get the credit, right? That's why, right? And, and again, I know we touched on that already, but uh, it's it's God getting the credit for delivering that that country uh, from uh, the oppression that they were in. It, that it wasn't by military might. You know, there's a there is a uh, a what's being established here is is credit being put where it's due, because. How often uh, could it be, and we even saw Israel deal with it at times, where they would get all puffed up in pride and they'd think, hey, we got this, and they'd go get their butts kicked, right? You know, the same thing had happened with us. Is I don't really need God anymore. My life's, you know, I'm no longer here. That's a dangerous place to be, right? We've been delivered. Hey, I'm standing on my feet. I'm good to go now. Uh, you know, do, I, do I really need to stay plugged into God? Because I'm not going back to that old life. That old life is just waiting. <laughs> it's just waiting for the right circumstance, right? And and it will it will come back, but that that because that's pride. You know, we're we're called to humility, uh, not pride. And what do, what does the scripture tell us? Pride comes before destruction, right? Not pride comes before the fall. It's a, you know haughty look uh, before uh, the fall, uh, and then um, pride before destruction is is the um, uh, what's uh, being shared in the proverbs. You know, God is our protector and our provider. It's not uh, military might. Now, uh, I, I say that because, man, we've got some people, a lot of people in this nation, that our faith and trust is in military might. 
It's literally in intelligence, it's in technology, and it's in metal, right? Intelligence, uh, uh, um, technology, and metal, right? I mean, that's that's what we're using, metal, intel intelligence, and um, technology. And you put those three things together, and if, if that's our hope, what if, what if they start failing? What if the metal doesn't hold up? What if the intelligence is bad? What if, what if the technology uh, is flawed? Then we're in trouble. We can't make the, what we rest our hope on. I, I, we, can't, we can't just sit there and trust in our military. We saw the examples. How many times did God say, no, you got too many people? No, you got too many. There's still too many people, right? And God is just like ripping them out so that he would get the glory, Right? That's what they're saying is when you're doing all these things, make sure you tell the story and make sure you don't leave out the part that it was God's strength that delivered us. God poured out his wrath on Pharaoh and in their pride and in their stubbornness, they wouldn't let us go. But God in his strength, he delivered us that God would get the glory for what is what is happening. So, yes, do we need a military? Absolutely. Do we support uh, our, our military? I did 24 years in it. It'd be stupid of me to sit here and say, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, of course we do. But if we look at our military and say, nobody can stop us. We have a military. You know how many, how many kingdoms have fallen because of their trust in, in a military? Look at Rome, right? And all of those, all those, those, those kingdoms that, that, that would rise and fall, rise and fall. You know, you know, we, the, the Lord needs to be the one that we trust in. And God is our strength. Yes, will he use our military? Absolutely. But if we're sitting here saying, we don't need God, we have, an, we have a military, we've already lost. We're, we've already lost. We have to have God. We have to. Verse 17, how the, the shift of focus goes to uh, the wilderness here. And then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not uh, let them by uh, lead them by uh, by the way of the land of the Philistines, although uh, that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. <clears throat> so what's being described here is God didn't take them on the fastest route. He could have taken the quick route, you know, uh, you know, eleven day journey, and they would have been where they needed to be. Um, that was the one that you'd think would make sense, right? Hey, we're getting away, fastest route, and we're, and we're there. But it says here that God did not lead them in that way of the Philistines because there would no doubt be war, and um, the Lord wanted to preserve them, so he, he kept them from there. And uh, he knew their hearts and, and knew that when they saw opposition, they would return uh, to Egypt. It's sad to know that we're prone to return to uh, that thing that might have uh, have ruled us before because we don't trust in God, right? Well, because when we don't trust in God, then uh, you know that hope that we did have, the hope is destroyed. And what what comes up when hope is destroyed? Hopelessness, right? So that hopelessness drives us back to where we were before, right? It's a it, it can be a vicious cycle, and hopefully it's not. But but it it, it very easily can turn into that it, when we turn our eyes away from the Lord. So God didn't leave them, lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was near. I like that it, that's included in here, although that was near. 
Yeah, that was the easy way. That's the way everybody would think. Like, hey, Moses, were we supposed to take it right back there? Because it's right there. We could have just taken that, right? No, but God didn't do that. God took them the way he wanted because he knew what was in them. He knew what was in their hearts. You know, God doesn't change. God isn't one that can't be trusted. It's us that changes. It's us that makes those stupid decisions uh, to return and to turn from him. You know, this is a reminder for us to remain steadfast in our faith. Because when we look at Israel and go, oh, they're so stupid. We're so stupid, <laughs> right? Because we do the same thing, right? We do the same things. You know, we can't kid ourselves. Uh, we do stupid stuff and, and, and it was things that we're ashamed of and, and go, oh, you know, should we continue in those things? Absolutely not. Um, but don't be shocked when our old flesh, you know, when our, our dead flesh that if we've allowed it to drag along wants to come back or the old habits, you know, the old temptations like, you know, our enemy is, is clever and he'll, oh, hey, I haven't heard from these buddies. Oh, man, I remember the time I used to have with those guys. And, and, and hey, man, we're going out. Do you want to do this? No, no, I don't. I'm good, guys. You know, want to go get some dinner or something like that. But I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go to the bar. I'm not going to go to the club. I'm not going to go to the party. I'm not going to, you know, like that. That little life's gone, you know. And it might cost the relationship. Uh, but we gain so much more in the Lord. <clears throat> but having the steadfast mind and our hope that returning is not an option when things get hard, right? When life gets tough. We're called to then live out. We just sang it today. Walk, uh, walk by faith, right? Even when we don't see, you know that that song is such a reminder. Written, written by Jeremy Camp, who who knew a thing or two about suffering. You know, watched his wife uh, pass away from from cancer and wrote wrote that song. Uh, you know, I walk by faith. You know, and I still believe. And uh, you know, this is it, it's it's easy for us to sit there and look at uh, circumstances and, uh, and and go. Well, you know, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd never do that. I'd never do this or whatever. But when we see us living our or, or those around us, our brothers and sisters living out their faith and we're encouraged by it, like, oh, man, in that time, just to see all oh, the strength that they have and, and the, the encouragement that they're walking in because of the Lord's spirit living in us. It's not like we're super Christians and, you know, we've now figured out the, the way to happiness and victory and everything. It's all in God, and we can just go, well, God has given me this victory, right? That's what the whole story is about. That's how, as they're reflecting on all these things in the Feast of the Unleavened Bread and consecrating the firstborn, it's all about what God did, right? And, and, and when we focus on what God does, that's when our mindset is in the right spot. So God uh, led them in a way they wouldn't have expected. And we just need to understand and, and realize that he'll lead us in the way that he knows is best. You know, it's not our job to lead God, but to follow him. I know oftentimes we want to grab God and go, God, I'm going here. Are you coming? <laughs> no, it's so opposite. It's like, Lord, do I go there or not? Right. But we often want to be like, you know, grabbing God like, you know, you've been around kids, right? And a kid wants you to like, hey, come over here. No, no, we can't go over there. Like that's a cliff. We don't go over to the cliff, right? Because that's where we fall and die, right? We're probably going to say it a little bit different, but right? There's the warning there. I remember with our kids, they were always so excited about like, uh, you know, whether like it's a candle or the oven. And we would look at our kids and go, it's hot. Ow. 
You know, we would do something to remind them, like, like I know this looks cool, or you know, I know their cookies are in there, but when that door gets open, you can't touch this because it's going to burn you. Those those things that are there. How, but oftentimes we want to tell God, like, no, we really won't get burned. I just can can I go get that? I, I really want that. God say, no, 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 I got a different plan for you over here, bud. Right, and 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 we're supposed to follow Him. So uh, we can rest knowing that the Lord knows what's ahead and uh, what he's doing, and we can just trust him. Even though we think that way was the right way to go, God's saying, no, nope, I don't know. I've got this road for you to walk. Remember when Apostle Paul, when he came to faith, right, and God's preparing Ananias to go pray over him, and he's like, yeah, he needs to hear, you know, that I, he needs to learn of the things he's going to suffer for my name, right? Because the Apostle Paul was murdering Christians, right? And then he came to faith, and, and uh, when he met, Christ on on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine, and uh, it, he didn't expect that road, you know. But his road was a road of suffering. I'm sure he would have preferred not to suffer, but he knew that his suffering would glorify God, so he jumped on board with the mindset. Verse, excuse me, eighteen says, "So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness." of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So uh, it is the Red Sea. It's not the Reed Swamp, where there's this weird argument that there it would have been the Reed Sea, which is like 18 inches deep and everything. It's, it's said all through the Scripture, all through it. Psalm 77, Psalm 78, Isaiah 63. Um I think I have oh Hebrews uh, 11. I've got that one written down. But Hebrews 11:29 says, "By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned." Okay, so this we're talking. So next week when we get into the Egyptian army following Israel, we're talking about the sea, and all, and and we'll we'll get into some some deep detail about this actually being the sea. You can't take 80, 18 inches of water and push it up and have it just towering, raging waters as the scriptures, as the Psalms uh, explain what it is. They, they, an army doesn't drown in 18 inches of water. If it does, oh my goodness, right? I, I'll take I'll, fighting that army. I'm, I'm good to go, right? A little army this big, that, that totally uh, incompetent, right? No, this is the Red Sea. So if you ever have the argument there... Um, there's a Hebrew word uh, there that's that's suf that says read sea of rushes, but it means Red Sea. When you look at that word Red Sea and all the other examples throughout the scripture, it's talking about the Red Sea. OK, so there's no question that God parted the Red Sea. He didn't part the mud puddle. He parted the sea so they can walk through. it. OK. So God moved them by the way of the wilderness and we'll. We'll get through this and we'll be studying here. But as there, uh, there's a wilderness for them to walk through here. And then unfortunately for them, because of their uh, unbelief, they're going to wander in a wilderness for uh, for 40 years. And uh, um, I like here that it says that God put them in order. It's an orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. You know, God, get them in order and let them go. And, uh, and we'll look into, uh, we'll see more of that order as it unfolds here. Uh, just finishing out the chapter here, verse 19 says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the, uh, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, 
God will surely, surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Succoth and, and, and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. So Genesis 50, um, when Joseph's dying, he tells them, you better not leave me here. <laughs> right? He's, he makes them swear, Solomon, you will not leave my bones here. Take me to the promised land with you. That's where I'm supposed to be. Uh, that's where God said that that I would uh, I would be, my bones would be, and that's where I want to be. Uh, so they did as as uh, as Israel had told them to, and um, uh, sorry, as Joseph had told them to. I said Israel, um, but uh, they uh, so they uh, had taken Joseph's um, uh, bones back with them, and uh, so they're carrying them along. He would have been mummified because he was an Egyptian. Um, a dignitary and a high-ranking official in Egypt, so uh, they would have had uh, everything uh, just like a you know a mummy would have had. So, but look at what it says here in verse 19 at the end of it. It says, "God will surely visit you." He was sure that God's promise and power would uh, would uh, be displayed here, and there was no question in the statement. He didn't say, "I hope." You know, I pray that God will visit you. He said, God will surely visit you. This will happen. He declared that. That was a that was a prophecy uh, from him. So he's he's prophesying that God will visit you. It wasn't a it wasn't an if, but it was a when. When God does visit you, and and uh, there's the you you take me to the promised land with you. Verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night uh, from before the people. These are two of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love this. That the Lord went before them. God went before them. So God is leading them out of Israel, out of Egypt. God is leading them out. You know, it's the He's already demonstrated His power and the ten, ten plagues and everything. And then God goes before them in a pillar of 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 cloud in, during the day and a pillar of fire at night for to give them light. So God going before them so that He could provide for them, so He could protect them, so He could lead them. Meditate on those verses. I, I encourage you to do so. Uh, you'll be blessed. I know I am anytime I ever have. Just to, just to think about that. A pillar of cloud to lead the way during the day and by night a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. So God would lead them at any time he wanted to. When the pillar would stop, we'll see this, they would stop. When the pillar would move, they would move. God gave it, it just... I don't know about you guys, like as I'm saying that the song, if you say go, we will go. If you say wait, we will wait. And, you know, that that type of thing. If we have that type of faith where we see God moving and, and he's declared it in his word, and he's speaking to our hearts that I want you to move in this direction. Now, as we grow in our faith, we understand that, wait, is this my flesh or is this God speaking? And usually if it's something you don't want to do, that's probably God speaking. So, right, right, because the thing we want to do is often the thing that's just our flesh, right? But when we can tie that together with the scriptures and say, ah, oh, 
God called me to do this and he's leading me in this direction and I see that I need to do that to get in that direction, I need to do it and follow after him, right? So the pillar of, of, of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Psalm 105.39 says, He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light uh, in the night. So the cloud, uh, just being in Florida last week, we were running from building to build. I was. My kids were just kind of oblivious. They're in their shorts and walking around and everything. I'm dying. You know, it, with with uh, the humidity and everything, it's 105 degrees, 95, 96. Every day we were there. The last day that we were there was, oh, Jen and I were both like, I'm so glad we're leaving today. Right? It was just overwhelming. We're not used to that heat, you know? And and I even know Floridians that are like, mm -mm, we don't we don't even like this, right? When we'd have cloud covering, it was, it was still muggy and hot, but you weren't, like, getting roasted also. You know what I mean? Like, you were just kind of kind of just boiling. I don't know what you'd say, you know, but, you know, you, you just walk around in the humidity, but that cloud cover on a really hot day sometimes, that's what God was providing, the cloud cover, so they're not just getting toasted by the sun every day. And he's giving them a, a, a fire by night for them to follow, the warmth and the light that would come from that. Talk about a nightlight, right? You know, I just remember my kids needing their nightlights, and the nightlight went out, and you're like, oh, man, what are we going to do, <laughs> right? That's like a like a, a catastrophe, right? Then you're just, like, leaving lights on everywhere. But if it's not the special door of the Explorer flat nightlight or whatever, the next morning you're up getting that. You know, but that having that light that the Lord would lead. God led them. He provided them shade. He provided them light. He didn't take away the pillar of fire or, 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 or cloud. God remained with them. He led them. He stayed there with them through what they were going to go through, right? There's, there's such a, a, a great way for us to learn of God's character here. God was with them. God was, was right, and the Lord went before them. It wasn't that he just commanded the clouds because he could have done that. Or he, it wasn't that it, you know, he didn't just you know, make a light shine. It says the Lord went with them. God goes with us when when we're walking through our lives, right? They had a lot of uncertainty. They had been, uh, you know, in bondage, and now they're being called uh, out into the wilderness. They don't really know what's next. But if we know God is with us, that's where we can have the strength to walk in our lives. That's that's the encouragement we need. I don't know what's going to happen next. I know the chaos that was there, and I want to come out of that, and I just need to trust God. But I love that where it says he didn't. He was he was right there with them. He was right there with remained with them. You know that must have been amazing to see, and and uh, the the comfort that was provided from it just be like ah the pillars right there, you know the the cloud the cover there just representing God's presence is just so awesome, and it assured them that He's remaining with them and uh, that He's leading them out of oppression. You know they're. Uh, we know that this, uh, it's not like, and they all lived happily ever after. You wish you could kind of sum it up right there, but because Israel are still knuckleheaded, just like we are, you know, they, they still have, they're still human and they make uh, mistakes and they, they, they sin and they uh, don't believe in God and uh, uh, that God can give them victory and all those things. But what do we see? God knows all those things, but what do we see him doing? still loving them, still covering them, still giving them protection and provision and all these things. So follow the Lord. You know, he'll be our guide. He'll protect us and lead us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. These, this is what the scripture tell us, uh, tells us. And 
Um, he's worthy of our trust and, and we can trust him uh, to uh, when we're being called, when we don't know where we're going and what's happening. But we know that God is the one that can take care of us and he demonstrates it. And when we see those demonstrations, we can be encouraged by those things because he works the same way in our lives. We may not see the cloud floating over our head. Uh, we, we may convince ourselves like in the cartoons, you know, when the clouds cloud over their head and it rains pouring and everything. We can convince ourselves of that, but God is with us and, and he wants us to walk with him. And uh, we, we see uh, the, that being demonstrated all throughout the scriptures. We see it. And, uh, and it's as we're reading that, we have to understand that God works in us in the same way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your faithfulness, your power, your strength to deliver us. Uh, Lord, help us not to be forgetful or ashamed to share what you've done for us, but be ready and so excited to share. Lord, that uh, that we would be mindful not only to share, but just in our hearts that it would help us. He who has been forgiven much loves much. Lord, that we would understand where we came from and what you've done in our lives and how you have uh, established us and called us to you. Help us to trust you and to follow you regardless of what we're facing, knowing that you know the way better than we could. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.